Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. Thank you so much, everyone, for all that you're doing. And thank you, Nick, for stepping up in a big way today as uh, uh, things change and as the world uh, doesn't always give us what we expect. We have to sometimes improvise and appreciate that. Um, turn in your Bibles with me to 1 Samuel, the cha- uh, first chapter, 1 Samuel chapter 1. And uh, we're going to look there today. Uh, today is, of course, a special day. It is uh, Mother's Day, and, and normally we have been studying through the book of Ephesians, and we'll get back to that next time and uh, all that. But uh, today we're going to do something a little different and look at First Samuel for a little while. And uh, if you go back into the history of, of uh, Mother's Day, uh, you know, there's a lot of... Uh, Things that happen in our modern society, in our world, we kind of forget uh, why we uh, do the things that we do and, and the reasons why we're doing that. And uh, uh, so we, we're going to look a little bit about uh, mothers today. Uh, but in 1908, uh, a, a lady uh, that desired to have a special day in which she uh, 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 honored her mother and uh, she uh, started doing that about six years later. It kind of ca- caught on, and uh, it uh, began to be something that was adopted by uh, the United States Congress as a uh, a national uh, day of remembrance for mothers. And so we've kind of, uh, since about 1916, we've been uh, honoring mothers. And, and this is something that is, has snowballed so much so that it's not just something that we do here in the United States uh, that we've been doing on a regular basis, uh, but uh, it is something that has uh, continued to uh, be something that is uh, part of our life here as well as in other countries as well. And so we honor our mothers today and we want to uh, recognize them for uh, the great sacrifice that they make. And uh, uh, a lot of times we tend to uh, not really think about our uh, the impact that our mothers have until uh, Mother's Day comes around. Uh, and we have a difficult way of of showing that if you've ever gone to look for cards at any particular time not just mother's day you'll find that uh out there it there's i don't know who's writing these cards nowadays but they don't have nearly the talent they used to uh it seems like it seems like uh, people want pithy uh, things and funny things a lot now uh, simply because they have such a hard uh, way of saying things and if you get a card anymore it, it it's either the real funny one or it's the one that ry- is rhymy and a lot of times they uh, say a lot of things that don't uh, really pertain just to make it rhyme but let me share with you uh, you know it seemed like uh, in years past that people had a way of expressing themselves that was so much better and in 1928 this is what uh, one person said uh, 
Well, may we pause to uh, uh, pay honor to her who, after Jesus Christ, is God's best gift to men, mother. It was she who shared her life with us when as yet our members were unformed. Into the valley of the shadow of death she walked, that we might have the light of life. In her arms was the garner of our food and the soft couch of our repose. There we nestled in the soft couch of... Uh, let's see. There we nestled in the hour of pain, and there was the uh, playground of our infant glee. Those same arms later became our refuge and stronghold. It was she who taught our baby feet to go and lifted us up over the rough places. Her blessed hands plied the needle uh, by day and by night to make our clothes and she put the book under our arm and started us off for school but best of all she taught our baby lips to lisp the name of Jesus and told us first the wondrous story of a Savior's love and so it seems as though uh, uh, in days past uh, and this particular one's from 1928 expressed so much better uh, the expression of love that is there for a mother. And so uh, we want to honor mothers, but more than anything else, we want to look at at God's Word and see an example of a mother's love and an example of someone who had uh, great devotion uh, for uh, uh, her family. And uh, we find this in 1 Samuel. Let me just set the scene for us a little bit. Uh, 1 Samuel is, of course, uh, a period right after uh, the period of the judges in Israel. And, and it's not just that it appears that way in the order of the Old Testament, but it's, it's, uh, it's the time period right after all the judges. And if you'll recall, uh, at the early point in the life and the history of Israel, uh, they had uh, entered into the promised land and they began to settle lands and, and God divided up the land and apportioned it uh, according to the, uh, the different tribes and they began to establish uh, uh, their... Uh, settlements in those lands by conquering the other nations and sometimes those uh, tribes didn't conquer the nations outright Uh, sometimes there were those who uh, remained in the land adjacent to the Israelites and God used those people to test Israel and to also cause them to have uh, difficulties and struggles to try their faith so that they'll depend upon God and so throughout this early period of the life of Israel, uh, the Bible says that uh, there was no king in the, in the nation and men did according to their, uh, the pleasure of their own heart. And uh, many times that, that entailed the people of Israel falling away from God and not worshiping God and allowing the, uh, the people surrounding Israel, the people that were left behind, the people that, that God had told them initially that they needed to destroy completely. So great was God's desire that, he would, uh, that they would wipe away this in, uh, bad influence in their life Uh, the instructions that God gave them as they came into the promised land was that they were to go in and to destroy not just all the people, 
that they wouldn't have an influence, but they were to go in and destroy even the, the livestock. They were to take everything and to completely wipe it from the face of the earth, and there was not to be any memory of those people that existed. And unfortunately, Israel uh, went in and instead of trusting and relying upon God, uh, relied upon themselves, and as a result, they kind of allowed other pe- uh, people to, to, to remain back. And, you know, we, we put a lot of blame on Israel for doing a lot of things that we wouldn't do, but really uh, uh, we can't blame Israel because uh, we do the same thing. God tells us, well, you need to go out and evangelize the whole community and evangelize the world. And what do we do? We, get, uh, uh, we go and we evangelize some. And we carve out a space for us to have a church. We start having a church to evangelize those who, who we witness to and, work and, and help to win to the Lord. And then we get complacent. We get comfortable in the, in the success that we've had. And we forget about all the other people that we're supposed to be out there witnessing to. And we kind of just let them sit there and, and uh, we, we're satisfied with the, what we've been able to accomplish. We're satisfied with what we've done. And all the while there's people out there that still need to be evangelized. And, and it, it, the longer we wait and the longer that we procrastinate, guess what? Those people begin to have an influence on us. And we begin to see things, uh, s- uh, sinful things that we know that we shouldn't be doing. We kind of allow those things to kind of creep into our uh, uh, vocabulary, creep into the way that we do things. And it's exactly what Israel did. Israel allowed the influence of these people that they allowed to stay behind and not conquer them as God had told them to do to influence them and cause them to uh, fall away from God. So what did God do? God brought in uh, 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 people like the Philistines and the Amorites and the uh, uh, Perizzites and all these other ites that are all around them, all these other People that uh, people groups that lived in that area before the Israelites allowed them to come in and to conquer Israel and take them uh, in, uh, uh, force them into labor and force them into a, a life of, of servitude uh, to them. And the Israelites, guess what? They they cried out to God, and said, "God, oh please help us." And so that's the period of the judges. Uh, God brought in a judge that would uh, help to deliver the, the Israelites from the, the bondage of these other nations that were all around them. And, and during the period of time in which they lived, uh, those judges lived, the Israelites were in uh, uh, peace and harmony. They were able to conquer those uh, uh, Philistines and conquer the Amorites and all the other ites and, and, and they were able to live in peace. But as soon as that judge passed away and as soon as uh, uh, that happened, their life began to go back to the way it was before the judge arrived. And then they would go through a period of time of being miserable and then they would cry out to God. And it's in the midst of all of that uh, that you also have the fact that there's a lot of uh, Levites that were supposed to be the, the priests. Remember, Aaron was of the tribe of Levi. Uh, Aaron and the Levites kind of said uh, when everything was getting organized, hey, hey, we want to uh, serve God. We want to do all the stuff with the temple and everything. So God kind of set them aside and uh, didn't give them a, a land of their own, but rather 
uh, each tribe was supposed to apportion a certain number of cities for the Levites, and they were supposed to be the priests, and they were supposed to lead the people of Israel in the task of, of worshiping God. They kind of dropped the ball, didn't they? They, they over and over again did not uh, lead the people in the worship of God. And there were some priests that were uh, uh, corrupt and they would uh, use their position uh, as a priest. And a lot of times those priests would uh, be serve as kind of like judges. Uh, they would allow themselves to be corrupt. And it's in that atmosphere of corruption and that atmosphere of of constantly falling away from God, that we have uh, the life of a woman who has a desperate desire to be used of God, a desperate desire to, uh, to have a family. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 26. And it says, um, uh, no, not 26. Excuse me. Let me see if I'm looking at this wrong. Okay. Okay, you have Eli and Hannah is there. And Hannah, in verse 14, And Eli said unto Hannah, How long will thou be drunk? And what happened? Okay, Hannah, uh, uh, go back to verse 12. And it came to pass as Hannah was praying, and what was Hannah praying for? Hannah was praying that God would allow her to have a child. What happened was Hannah was childless. She didn't have uh, a son to carry on the family name. And she was not being uh, uh, taken care of by her husband uh, because she was childless. Other women that uh, that were uh, wives of her husband were taken care of, uh, being taken care of better. And and Hannah was not uh, having uh, any of the benefits that that uh, came with being blessed. And so each year they would go up to Shiloh and they would worship, and Hannah would go and. Uh, she would uh, weep at the altar and she would pray and she would weep and she would pray. And um, uh, she, uh, even though she got a portion from her husband, it wasn't the same as, as it was for those wives that were had produced a son. And so she was, uh, and we don't understand multiple uh, wives and families, and I'm not preaching about multiple wives today. I'm not doing any of that because nobody, basically nobody ha- does that. But Hannah was without a child and she was praying earnestly. It says here that she would go while they were uh, in uh, worshiping of, of doing other things, that Hannah would pray and she would uh, plead to God that um, that she would have the opportunity. And she, uh, it says uh, here, that as they did year by year, she went up into the house of the Lord so that she provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not eat. Uh, and she was crying. And, and the other wives were, were uh, Elkanah and uh, they were uh, doing all kinds of things to make her feel bad. And uh, they had the audacity to say, Why are you grieving? Why are you crying? And Hannah, uh, verse 9, says that she got up uh, after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had uh, drunk. Now Eli the priest sat on a seat of the post of the temple of the Lord. And so the scene is, is that Eli, he's the priest, he's sitting where he usually sat, and here comes Hannah. And Hannah is so overwhelmed that she begins to pray. So Hannah rose up after they 
they had eaten. And she goes and, and uh, was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sorely. Verse 11, And she vowed a vow and said unto the Lord, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaiden and remember me and not forget thine handmaiden. Uh, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. And it came to pass as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli marked her mouth. And it says that he sees her and she's uh, there praying and she's moving her mouth like she's speaking uh, and he thinks that she's uh, drunk too much. He says, But her voice was not heard, and therefore Eli thought that she had been drunken. And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit, and I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. And so what uh, we first have is a woman who is direly desiring to serve God, and in her role, in her time, in her way of service, uh, the thing that she could do the most uh, to impact her world was to have a man-child, was to have a son so that the family name could be continued on. Now, I realize that women contribute so much more to society and to the world today. It's not as though having a child is the biggest thing in the world, but uh, on Mother's Day, we're commemorating and we're remembering those women who have sacrificed of themselves uh, to be a mother, sacrificed all the many hours that... Uh, uh, that come with labor and, and delivery of a child, all those hours of sacrifice that come with caring for a young child and helping them to grow and to develop into uh, adulthood. And we're, we're remembering the great sacrifice uh, that you give. And many times women have done great things in order to uh, uh, make that same sacrifice to have a child. I, I remember, uh, you know, uh, throughout... Uh, my childhood, the kind of role of women was changing, uh, and uh, maybe in your lifetime uh, that role of motherhood changed as well. Uh, I remember uh, women were in the workplace uh, primarily as I was a young child, but it wasn't uh, typical for a woman to uh, to only be a housewife. Nowadays, uh, uh, it's almost universal that women are expected to be in the workplace, and it's, it's an oddity or an unusual thing to see a woman who chooses to stay home and to be a mother. Uh, so many women see that as a sacrifice or giving up something or, or uh, negating the fact that a woman has so much more to contribute. But for many women, that is the ultimate uh, role, the ultimate task of being a mother, of being someone who uh, uh, does more than just simply goes out and works a job or has a career and comes home and, and does everything else. But uh, there, there are uh, some women who choose to, uh, to have the ultimate role of being solely a mother, a mother of a child. Uh, and there's some women that are, are extraordinary that they are able to go out and have a career, but also be there uh, consistently and all the time for their child. 
And Hannah's desire here is to do her utmost to have a child and to serve, not just have a child and and give birth to that child and, and throw it out into the world, her desire is so great that she's willing to, to give that child over to God and, and look at her commitment. And when she prays, she says, uh, not only is she going to give over that child to the Lord, uh, but she says, I will make sure that uh, no wine uh, or strong drink comes uh, before him and that, that his hair is not shaven. Well, we know from other scripture that that means uh, that what she's saying is, is I'm going to uh, make sure that that my child has uh, follows the Nazarite vow, and that's what the Nazarite vow is. And and the Nazarite vow is all about uh, commitment and being separated unto God. Now. Right before this time period was the time in which Samson was uh, the judge, the final judge of Israel. And Samson is is probably the most well-known judge. In fact, if I uh, uh, press you to name another judge out of the list of all the judges that were judges over Israel, uh, most of us would have a hard time uh, sharing one more name other than Samson's name. Uh, you might remember uh, Deborah as as one of the judges, but uh, beyond Deborah, that would be it would be a hard task of of naming another judge. And Samson was a Nazarite, followed the Nazarite vow as well. Samson was committed and separate unto God, and uh, his hair was. Uh, the angel told his mother that his hair was not to be shaven and that he was not to drink strong drink. He wasn't to drink wine. And so we know from that uh, that this is the same kind of uh, uh, commitment that she's making for her son that he would be dedicated solely under the service of God. Uh, so she's saying, uh, I want to be of service to the Lord by bringing uh, someone special into the world. Uh, and she says, uh, I'm not drinking any uh, strong drink, but rather I want to, uh, 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 I'm laying my uh, request before God. Uh, she says in verse 16, Count not thine handmaid for a daughter of Belial, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hither and to. Then Eli answered and said unto her, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee uh, thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and, and her countenance was no more sad. So uh, we have, first of all, a woman who has dedicated herself to service to God. And, and that is so important in today's society, in today's world, for not just for women, uh, but for all Christians. But importantly, uh, we need to have families that are committed to God, committed to service to God. And secondly, she had the faith and belief that her prayer would be answered by God. She committed her prayer to God. She did. Uh, she was sad. She was down. Uh, uh, she was uh, downtrodden in her uh, demeanor, and she uh, didn't just simply allow. 
uh, the fact that she felt oppressed in her situation to just merely make her sad. She made her petition known to God. She, she in the midst of, of not being treated fairly, in the midst of, of having a complaint, she went to the Lord. She didn't go to her husband. She didn't go uh, to any authority, a judge or anything. She went to God and she said uh, she made her petition to God who was the one who would be able to make uh, uh things differently to provide a child for her. So she pleaded unto God and and asked that God would uh, grant her the ability to have a child. And so often we uh, uh, see the admonition of a situation like this and say, okay, what I need to do is to pray. And so we go and we pray and we have belief and faith that God will grant our prayer. Uh, But what I want you to see is that Hannah was so wrapped up in her prayer, so uh, so consumed by her desire to lay her petition before God that she appeared as though she was drunk before Eli. She had uh, such a countenance about her that she was over, uh, overwhelmed by her desire to lay her petition before God. And so often when we pray, we pray about things and we just say, hey God, will you take care of this? And then we kind of uh, mark it down as faith as, as just going on about our business and saying, okay, uh, we don't have the pace we don't have the, the diligence to pray like uh, a woman like Hannah today. Uh, we need to have the kind of, of diligent prayer about things in our life that, that we know are according to God's will and according to God's desire. That we would lay our petitions before God and have the same kind of, of fervent desire, the same commitment to allowing God to rule in our life. And she continued to pray that way until God's spokesman Eli came to her and inquired about the situation. And she made her petition about her situation, probably the very same thing that she had been praying. She voiced aloud to Eli and she said, Look, I I desire to have a man-child in my life that I could be a blessing uh, to her family, and she says, I'm even willing to commit and give all of myself to God. And here, that, that is an, uh, the next thing that we need to understand. When we are fervently committed to God, we need to give our whole self. And so often we, we just simply say, God, I want this, and God, help me to have that, and God, I want, I want, I want, I want. But her desire was not to have something for herself. You see that? Her desire was not, uh, you know, if, if you put it in today's terms, it wouldn't be that, that Hannah's sitting there saying, God, I really need a Mercedes Benz. You know, it, they look so pretty and they got that little symbol on the front. And Oh God, everybody else has a Mercedes Benz and I just want to have a Mercedes Benz. Or God, I want to have a, a husband that's rich. Or, God, I, I just please give me a husband that, that is well off so we can have a big house and we can be like all the people and fit in with the country club upset and, and, and do all that. Uh, no, her desire was to do what she could of giving of her body, her whole self to serve God. And so she, her desire is, is not just simply to have a male son for her family's sake. She's saying, God, I'm not going to want a male son in order to to enrich my family, to produce an heir for my husband. I want a male son to serve you. I want a son, a child that can be put into service to you. 
And so she, her petition is, is that she would be used of God in a way in which uh, God would be glorified and God would be lifted up. She says, God, give me a child that I might, that that child might be of service to you. And so she says, and in order to, uh, to guarantee that service to you, as soon as he is born, I'll give him over to you. And that's exactly what she did. And that child was who? Samuel. That child was a great prophet of God. That, uh, that child was, was, uh, uh, was called into a life of priesthood even while Le- Eva, uh, Levi, uh, excuse me, Eli and her, his sons were still alive and they were still doing their corrupt behavior. Uh, as a young child, Samuel exceeded them in uh, his ability to serve God and his willingness to serve God. And so what we see is a truly remarkable individual that that uh, was born of Hannah because out of her commitment to service to God out of her desire to give her all for God out of her willingness to even give up the very thing that she desired the most of giving that child over to God and allowing that child to be used for God's service and so as we think and contemplate what does it mean to be a mother today what does it mean to ha- uh, to be a woman who is, uh, and especially during a-, a day and age in which uh, uh, more than uh, uh, almost a million children were aborted last year uh, by Planned Parenthood, uh, almost a million people who would be here today. In a day and age in which uh, our country is seeing a decline in the population growth uh, to the point where our nation could crumble because we have too few children being born, uh, we're aborting a million, uh, nearly a million children each year. What does it mean to sacrifice in order to have a child? To sacrifice and be used of God in a truly unique way. You know, uh, I, don't, I don't care what the PC culture has to say. Uh, I'll just go out on a limb and say only women can have babies. I can, I can have a baby in terms of being a father, but I can't give birth to a baby. Uh, as a man, uh, that's impossible. And as a man, that, that's something that will never happen. And I'm fairly confident to say that I, I don't believe that any biological male will ever have, be able to birth a baby. Okay? I don't think I'm going too far out on a limb in saying that. Ladies, only you are able to be a mother. Only you are able to give birth to a child. What a great gift of God to allow you to be a part of creation. Allowing you to be able to to give birth and 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 to raise up a child that could possibly be uh, the next Billy Graham, possibly be the next John MacArthur, possibly be uh, the next R.C. Sproul, uh, a man of God that would share the gospel, a man of God that would lead people uh, to, or a woman of God that would lead people to the saving grace of Jesus Christ that would lead a nation back to a clear understanding of who God is, a right relationship with God, 
to, to, to give birth to a child that, that may cure cancer, to give birth to a child that could possibly uh, uh, create a, a new concept and understanding of science, medicine. They would change the world. Uh, give birth to a child that could one day uh, create a marvel that we can't even fathom today. Only you, as a mother, can do that. And so you have a, a wonderful gift of God to participating in the creation process. And you are truly blessed to be a mother, a mother who seeks to serve God. And that's what uh, makes you a woman of distinction. A woman, not just in, in finding your role as uh, someone who who is able to give birth, but a woman that is of service to God, of use to God, in such a unique and, and, and transformative way. May we all seek to be the kind of people that you as mothers are in our homes, to raise up the next generation of believers, to raise up the next generation of those who would follow after Christ. Let's pray. Dear Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank You and praise You so much for uh, the wonderful, wonderful influence of mothers in our society and our world today. Lord, I pray that as we uh, seek to follow in the examples of, of people like Hannah in Your Word, Lord, that we would uh, seek out to be as devoted and committed to You that we might live our lives of service to You. In Jesus' name. Amen.